The views and opinions expressed in Media Litter Sandwich do not reflect on the views of the network, station, studio, website, sponsors, guests, hosts themselves, anyone or anything else associated or even not associated with this podcast. Maybe not even the person that said them. In other words, do your own research and do not sue anyone over what is said on the show. Welcome to Toden's Media Layer Sandwich. Of course, I'm Toden, and you can find Toden's Media Layer Sandwich on Toden.com and MediaLitreSandwich.com. If you're getting this because someone sent it to you, you want to see the video version, you go over to those websites, you can go over to YouTube. You can also just check the description over whatever you're listening on and uh, and click that video link. And if you're wondering what else you can listen on, you know, Spotify, Mixcloud, Podbean, Stitcher, whatever. If you want to be the first person and get the uncut versions, go over to Patreon, Patreon slash Toten. If you want to be the second person, you could go to dvradio.net on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I am in the chat room. And the Monday after that is when the podcast is released to everywhere, including the video version. With me today is another podcaster, and he writes more than I do. I, I, I don't exactly... Uh, like that writing portion too much um that's why i've been having a lot of authors on here i'm a little jealous i'm also a little jealous of mohawks i had my liberty spikes going on but um can't drive anymore with them (laughs) (laughs) go ahead and introduce yourself hi guys my name is jack keesling um and like you said i'm i'm a writer and uh, I do have a mohawk you can't see it but it's pink video versions different than the audio version (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh yeah so i'm a writer and um i published my first book in september of last year getting ready to release my second book so pretty fun stuff i'm not nearly as accomplished of a podcaster as toden is though ah flatter i get you everywhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm pretty smart man i, I can pick up on that <laughs> yeah so fun stuff. Well, we're um, on DV radio and I know you're a veteran. So I just want to make sure I prop that out. Um, and you know, our mutual friends are, is a DV and a disgruntled guy. So I think we're, I think we're kind of on the same page as, as that go. Um, yeah. I yeah, know so, you're, go, go ahead. I know your second book has to do with that a little bit. It does. Yeah. Yeah. No, I served in the army, um, did a number of things, but, uh, primarily spent my time as a psyop. Um, soldier and deployed to Afghanistan and did all that goofy stuff. I've uh, been out for God, a long time. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, so, um, so my first book came out in September. Um, it's available on Amazon and it's called the fists of Arkin. It is not, uh, a sex book as the name might suggest to some people. I'm out. Um, yeah, so it's a action adventure novel set in a fictitious medieval time frame and geography. So it's not a fantasy novel. Um, I try not to call it that because typically we expect with fantasy, you know, dragons, warlocks, magic, stuff like that. And let's be real. I'm just not creative enough to completely create that, uh, magical world. So, uh, you know, action adventure novel, fictitious medieval environment. Basically the book opens with kingdom under attack, overwhelming force. They can't win. King sends his only daughter and heir to the throne uh, away, you know, to run for her life. 
she winds up in a culture and peoples that she's never even heard of, didn't know existed. And she has to find a way to get along with that culture and to make it through the struggles they're going with uh, while she's trying to define herself as a leader and eventually to get back home. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a very interesting book. Um, I started writing that, uh, when my father was still alive and put a lot of references in the book to stuff that we, we enjoyed together. So there's references to some general James Mattis quotes. Uh, there's a Lord of the Rings reference in there. Uh, there's just, there's a bunch of stuff in there that, uh, veterans specifically pick up on just little nitnoid pieces from, uh, you know, military doctrine that I threw in there. Um, unfortunately my father passed away before he was able to read the book. So some of those references will forever remain a secret, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, you know, action adventure is such a huge, you know, genre and people love doing it. What made you decide, I think you touched on this already, but what made you decide not to include like any magical sorts, like anything that kind of defines it as a fantasy versus action adventure set in a fantasy realm. Sure, yeah. I mean, I have nothing against fantasy by any stretch. Some of my favorite uh, favorite works are fantasy. And, um, you know, I've played Dungeons & Dragons a number of times with my friends over the years and enjoy that. Um, but when it... Really, I didn't sit down intending to write this book. Um, it started as a game that I was playing with my friends called Three Word Story. And uh, it turned into this weird little story about this this like warrior princess who's leading her troops in a battle. And, um, you know, and so just, you know, kind of for fun and as a joke with my friends, I wrote out the first couple chapters of a story based off of that game and, uh, you know, showed it to my friends and we thought it was cool. And I put it away. And probably a year later, I was rummaging around on my desk and found the legal pad. I wrote those chapters on. I was like, man, this is actually pretty good. You know, go somewhere with this and, and just kept going. And as I continued writing, um, the characters in the story really told me what was going to happen. You know, I, I wrote the book, it's my name on the cover, but really those characters told me who they were, what they wanted to do, what they cared about. So the lack of magic and stuff like that in there, I make a joke is because I'm not creative enough, but the reality of it is the world didn't tell me that's what it needed. So I didn't write it. That That's cool. I've talked to a number of uh, authors and one author uh, I interviewed a while back. He used to tell me, this, I got books from this guy where he would put 200 one page stories. He's like, oh yeah, I finished that in like a week. And uh, it's like, how did you do that? He's like, well, once, you know, once I get at least one or two characters, I just, I just ask the characters and, and they tell me and they just do what they do. And until I'm sick of them, and then I figure, and then I go to another character. Yeah. When ADD or ADHD works to your favor, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because my next book that comes out, uh, hopefully the end of June, uh, which is a completely different genre. It's, uh, you know, a military conspiracy set slightly in the future from our own age. Um, you know, um, you know, very it's not political and I, I make a pointed effort to stay out of politics in it. Um, <laughs> Especially nowadays. Well, and I don't do that for any reason, but I don't want this book to become, you know, the Republican conspiracy theory anthem or the Democrat, you know, mm -hmm. the Republicans are crazy anthem. I didn't want it to be about that. I wanted it to be about something, you know, beyond the surface level politics. So I, I made a very intentional choice to keep that out of it. But whereas the first book, The Fists of Arkin, basically wrote itself, this book, which is uh, titled A Thin Red Line, 
um, that was a much different process. You know, I, I came up with a base idea and I knew what I wanted it to look like, but they never told me what they wanted to do. And the more I realized this group of people that this book centers around, they don't want to be in the situation that they're in. They didn't plan it. They didn't design it. So as I'm pushing through this story, they're doing it because they feel morally obligated to do it, but they don't want to. And I think that's why this book was so much different from the first one. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not so much hero goes on a, on a hero's journey. This is more as this is a responsible, you know, not responsible. This is just, it's military action versus the hero's action. Am I kind of correct? Yeah. yeah, to a degree. So the, the book centers around a, a small group of five people who through a course of events um, get drawn together and they're in possession of a, a, a stolen government file that proves the American government has been doing some pretty shysty things to actively manipulate the American people. And it's, you know, one of them is former military. One of them is a police officer. One of them is a Walmart loss prevention person, you know, just various backgrounds of these five people. They're in this situation, not of their own choosing, but once they're in it and they know what they're doing, they feel that moral obligation that, that almost social requirement to take care of this situation to get that file to the right people. Um, and so I just, it's interesting. Whereas the first book, they pulled me along and this book, I feel like they're almost pushing back. Uh, mm-hmm. So it has a different feel and it's, it's interesting. It's a lot of fun from the writer's perspective. You learn a lot from the first book and applying that or is oh, this yeah. completely different? It, it's it's completely different in terms of the experience I'm having, but the process is all the same. And this, I've written probably ten novels in my life. Um, you know, these the one that I put out, The Fist of Arkin, was the first one that I I was really like, yeah, this is what I want to go with. You know, this is complete, and the narrative works, and and I'm going to go with it. But I've been writing my entire life. I mean, if I had a if I had a dollar back for every class I've paid for over the years to learn how to be a better writer, then I wouldn't need to sell <laughs> books to make money. So, so that wasn't your first official book then? Well, it was my first published work, but okay. uh, I've been writing my entire life. I, I'll tell you, it's funny. So I was in Afghanistan in, uh, I think, 2011, and uh, The Walking Dead was just starting to become a thing. I hadn't heard of it yet. I've never been much of a TV guy. But one of my buddies gave me a copy of season one of The Walking Dead before I went overseas, and I didn't really think anything of it through my bag. Well, I had been working on a zombie novel prior to uh, leaving for that deployment. And of course, I brought my notebooks and stuff with me. So I'm kind of working with it a little bit here and there, you know, as I find downtime. And it, it was pretty fun. You know, it's the, the outbreak started in Omaha, Nebraska, which is a place that, uh, you know, if you live in Omaha, I'm sorry I'm about what I'm about to say. I'm not a big fan of Omaha. So it was a lot of fun for me to, to fictitiously wreck that city. Um, <laughs> I visited it before. I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, so it was a lot of fun. Um, and I'm, I'm jiving with it and the storyline's coming along and I like the characters. And then something told me I need to check out this walking dead thing and make sure I'm not duplicating somebody else's, you know, kind of ideas. But, and I probably should have left it alone, but here's what I found out. As soon as I watched the walking dead, I couldn't write zombies anymore (laughs) because I couldn't do it without writing the same things they already wrote. Yeah, you know, I started with the graphic novel of The Walking Dead before I watched the series, and it's definitely 
it's definitely a different uh, uh, approach. Well, I should say Walking Dead's the same approach as other things, but yeah. they were just able to do it for a longer period of time. I mean, yeah. that's... You know, but that's the struggle from, you know, so anybody who's trying to create art, you know, I mean, if you want to create a, a sculpture of, you know, a naked Grecian, well, how do you do that without being influenced by the 10,000 naked Grecian sculptures that have already been made? You know, so to, to be able to create something pure that's from you, you know, that represents your, your passion without being influenced by something so impactful, because I mean, let's be real, the first season of The Walking Dead, when you see it the first time, I mean, it grabs you. So then how do you create something that's like that? without being influenced by it. So I had to put it away. And I've done that with so many, so many books over the years <laughs> that I started. And then I was like, yeah, I can't, this, I'm done with this. Hey, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Not until you're done with your own project. When you're yeah. done with your own project, then you can touch it and play with it. But don't, not yet, not yet. Leave that, get, yeah. your, get your hand out of the cookie jar and finish <laughs> your dinner. Yep. You can't have any putty if you don't eat your meat. So what you said you took a bunch of writing classes. So did you go oh. to school for writing or? No. Uh, so I went to college, uh, but I majored in American history uh, with a okay. minor in education. At that time, I thought I wanted to teach high school history and coach high school football. And then uh, my senior year of college, I was student teaching at a, a high school and I discovered something very important. I hate teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it was it was bad. You know, when I went to high school, we didn't have cell phones and, and the few rich kids that had phones, like they didn't have them out in class or anything like that. And, you know, fast forward so many years and I'm in college and, and, you know, and I'm trying to, uh, to teach and, and these kids are sitting there on their phones and they just won't even like look in my general direction. And it, so much of like, you know, the army instinct in me wanted to choke slam every single one of those little kids. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in the wrong profession. I can't do this. <laughs> Wow, I didn't think high school students were allowed to have their phones. Um, well, I mean, it depends class. on how uh, how they enforce that. That uh, you know, okay. you can make any rule you want, but if there's no accountability, people are still going to do whatever they want. Okay, because my nephew uh, uh, only graduated maybe like five years ago, and and he he was always like, "No, I can't have it out in the middle of class. I have to wait between class or." Or there's one class I'm allowed, but the other ones, no. Yeah, I mean, so, and that yeah. makes sense, but, you know, just okay. things have changed a lot and things are different and it, it wasn't for me. So it's funny, I teach, I do teach for a living, but I teach adults. So Okay. So do you teach at college? If you don't mind me asking, if you don't, I could always edit this out. So what, what level do you teach? You teach like a... No, I'm actually a corporate training facilitator for a company okay. that... Uh, so basically what I do is, is teach uh, business leaders, people-centric leadership, amongst other things. But yeah. Okay. And this for a single company or is this like where you're a freelance or not freelance, but where you go out and do motivational speech speeches no. or training for other companies? No. Um, so we're... I work for one company. Okay. Um, and I, I don't, I'm not a motivational speaker. <laughs> I'm not very motivating because usually... It's, it's internal training. Um, you know. <laughs> What's that now? It's internal to the company training then. Yeah. So the company I work for is humongous. Um, 1.2 million people uh, work for this company. And, okay. and so when we talk about training company leadership, it's a lot of people. Okay. Okay. I, 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 as soon as you told me the numbers, I got an idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, would they happen to have a couple government contracts, maybe in, in flying things? 
uh, perhaps, but I'm not going to confirm or deny anything about which company I might or might okay. not work. Okay, we'll leave, we'll <laughs> leave it there. That, 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 that was my guess. He wasn't confirming or denying, so I could be 100% wrong. We're going to move on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's, that's really cool. Like um, My day job has uh, several internal training, like whole training departments, like completely different from one another. And and it's really cool for people to get into that and to learn from that and take that. Now, when you're going to college, you're going to teach history. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, hmm, I can use this for writing. I can. You did you think like you were going to write like his history, like bending things or like? So like you know, fictitious history. Yeah, I, I, that's I, it. Fictitious history. I've thought about it. I'll tell you the main reason that I centered on history is because my high school history teacher, um, you know, had a profound impact on my life and and I fell in love with that. And then, you know, my, my whole family, since our family immigrated to the United States has served in in the U S military, including world war II, Korea, Vietnam. And so became very passionate about my family history and thereby learned a lot about, you know, American history and, you know, just, it became important to me. So that's where I chose to focus and let's be real, I hate math. So, <laughs> If anyone wants to hear me dive a little more deep in this, go into my last, not my last episode, maybe like two or three episodes ago where I talked to uh, Galactic Space Bunnies, I think was her website, uh, where she is a current hist- high school history teacher. And she, profoundest, I can't say the word, she takes states and turns them into people like Italia. Um <laughs> <laughs> and she has a whole comic strip uh, uh, based off of that with little history lessons and, and and interesting little things like that. But no, let's talk about current. Your your leads in both your books are women. Is there a yeah. point to that? Or are you just like, hey, this would be cool? Um, a little column A, a little column B. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll tell you, the Fist of Arkin, um, you know, female lead, princess, you know, adult. When I first started writing that book, like first draft, um, she was not a really essential character. I mean, she was in the sense that, you know, she was kind of the package that these, these uh, you know, trusted guards were carrying. And she was only eight years old when I, I wrote the first draft. Um, didn't intend for her to be a central character. But the more I developed the story and the more the character told me really who she was, I realized that she was not that young. And, uh, and then a certain scene occurred where some risque business happens with one of the other characters. And I was like, man, I have got to make this girl significantly older, (laughs) you know? So, um, I didn't sit down intending to write a female lead. Um, really it's, she told me I'm in charge of this business and you're going to put it down on paper the way I say. And I was like, yes, (laughs) ma'am. Um, and for the second novel, um, it's interesting because, the whole story behind this this second novel started as um, essentially me writing about some of my experiences in Afghanistan, you know, in just getting it out of my head. It's not something I, I would, you know, ever consider putting out in public. But um, and then I, I was looking at it and I was like, you know, I could I could fictionalize some of this, you know, as a way of of getting it away from me and getting it, you know, kind of out as a method of therapy and, and something that uh, a counselor I was speaking with at the time suggested was a good idea. So I started working on that. And uh, in order to to make it not so personal, I changed a lot of the details about who this person was that was experiencing these things. 
At the same time, combat exclusion had been ended in the military. So we were seeing the first females going through infantry school and, you know, ranger school and some of those things were happening. The first females deploying to combat zones as infantry soldiers. And so, you know, it was just something that was on my mind at the time. So I chose to make the character female, Um, you know, and I don't know, I've, I've had people ask me other questions like that on, on my own um, shows. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I do in my books is I have a variety of, of racial identities and, you know, um, sexual orientations and stuff like that. You know, people ask me if I'm trying to make a social point by that. And the reality of it is I'm not. I'm not trying to make a social point. What I'm doing and what I think all artists do um, intentionally or otherwise is create a world that meets the image of the world that I want to see. Now, I personally um, want to see a world where, you know, uh, skin color, uh, gender, sexual orientation, stuff like that are irrelevant. People just do what they do. And that's how we form, you know, our understanding of the people is by what they do. And so I create stories and books that feature characters from, you know, every walk of life, because that's the reality that I saw uh, in the military and the reality that I want to see now in the world. So there's no social point to it. It's just something that I do. Now you mentioned your podcast and I, I, I got, I got to uh, catch a couple of them and you do talk about your books, but I also go through new stuff and you spend a lot of time interacting with the viewers, which you got a lot of people that watch live, which is really cool. Um, tell me about some of the interaction and how the heck do you get that many people watching you live? <laughs> well, I, so I started doing the show almost two years ago. Um, I was invited to be a guest on a, a very good friend of mine's live show. Um, he runs a live show on Saturdays on Facebook uh, called the Veterans Forum. And so um, I used to live much closer to him and he invited me to uh, come down to his house and be on the show. And it was a lot of fun. And I was like, you know what? I, I could do this, you know, as a, a method of advertising my work and, you know, and stuff. And so I set it up and started running it. And the first time I did it, like two people were on it. Um, the whole show. And I was like, man, this is a disaster. I'm ugly. Nobody wants to talk to me, you know? Um, but I stuck with it and, uh, I'm sorry, my dog is like climbing all over me. Um, you know, but stuck with it and, and I just started, you know, goofing off and having fun. And, and that's really what I'm all about is I, one of the things I say all the time is if I'm not having fun, I'm not going to do it. Um, you know, and so, and it was fun. So I kept doing it and, uh, you know, um, then I started playing with technology and, uh, you know, seeing what I could do to make the show more fun and more interactive. So yeah, you got um, some things there. I want to know how you did. <laughs> well, I will tell you how I did it, but I'm going to tell you how I got it first. Okay. So, you know, so I tried to do like multiple platform streaming. So I tried to do Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube all at the same time. And that destroyed my bandwidth. <laughs> um, so then I found, uh, uh, um, online software you can use called BeLive. And BeLive was cool because it let you take the comments that people put on Facebook and show them on the screen. And it had a lot of functionality and customization you could do. And it looked really cool, but it was expensive. It's like $35 a month. And my wife considered stabbing me. <laughs> so, uh, I started looking around for other options and I found the one that you saw, which is what I use now. And it's a free um, downloadable software called OBS. OBS is not very user friendly because it doesn't tell you how to do anything. You got to figure it out yourself. There's a lot of tutorials though. Whatever you want to do, there's probably a tutorial for it. Yeah, but I'm a knucklehead, man. I'm going to force my way through it. So, (laughs) you know, but once you figure out how to use OBS, you can do a lot of fun stuff with it. Um, You know, 
how I got so many people on my show, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't know. I, how I do you use OBS? Like, like automatically take people's comments and, and put them in there. I thought that you have to do manually with OBS. Yes, you can't do that with OBS without doing it manually. So I don't do that anymore. But okay. you know, oh, I must have uh, caught an older episode then. Yeah, yeah. You probably saw when I was still using Be Live. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. but uh, it's 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 fun. So like, you know, I have I have OBS up and then I've got Facebook up over here, and then you know, it's just I don't know, man. I part of my success in, you know, and you said getting so many people on my show isn't me. It's it's a couple of people that have been really supportive of the show and you know, and they share it all the time and they're talking about it and telling their friends about it and you know, like it's it's not me, man, because I mean I'm I'm just a pecker from the sticks with too much time on my hands, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I'm not that cool, but for whatever reason, these, these few select people really, you know, care about what I'm trying to do and what I have to say. And, and they're the reason I'm successful. It's not me. So, um, where do you sell your books at? Amazon, 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 Amazon. So I, I'm a very, very firm set independent, uh, artist. And, and the reason that I do that is uh, a lot of days, a lot of times you try to get your art out there and, and everybody says, oh, well, you know, you got to change this. You got to change this. You got to change this. And I'm not saying that that input isn't valid and it may, you know, produce more book sales. But when I think about art, you know, I, I think about art in terms of music, painting, you know, writing, even, even food. I mean, anything that you care about, you put effort into is art. When I think about the greatest art in the world, it was art that challenged, challenged people. And it, it wasn't necessarily what, you know, quote unquote, society thought they wanted in the moment. And that's the stuff that we remember. That's the stuff that makes an impact, you know? And so when I think about my work and, and the art that I create in my books, I want it to be mine. I don't want it to be somebody else's or I don't, want it, I don't want it to be mine filtered through somebody else. I want it to be mine. So, you know, I don't use uh, professional editors. I don't use a publishing house. I design my own book covers. I mean, everything. Like the Fist of Ark and the one that's out there right now, I'm not a painter, but I painted the book cover for it and that's why it looks like shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, you know. Um, oh, you good. No, so, um, so I'm Amazon. Amazon's the whole deal. Three dollars for the digital download, twelve dollars for the uh, the hard copy version. And it, and when I say hard copy, it's a paperback, but it's a beautiful paperback. Like the quality is very high, and the cover has a really nice feel to it. And yeah, no, it's it's good stuff. That's awesome. Um, so you're a self publisher. You go yep. through Amazon. Therefore, you can reduce the price cheaper than than what some of the other publishing companies are. Three dollars yeah. digital download. That's not that's not too bad. Um, and for all the, everyone that's like, ah, oh, no, I don't want. I, Amazon does this or that. I, I, I look. If you got to go through Amazon, you smiled on Amazon. No cost to you, and a little bit of money goes towards a charity of your choice. So there you go. You can feel at least a little bit better if you want to go shop on Amazon. You smiled at Amazon. Pick the charity of your choice. Doesn't cost you anything else, and they get something. And my charity of choice is DV Farm. So if you want to learn about that, go to dvfarm.org. Why am I promoting DV Farm? Well, if you really want to learn, just tune into dvradio.net and probably a commercial will come up for it. Or just go to dvfarm.org and check it out. It, it, it's totally worth checking out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, amazing, amazing organization. Uh, yeah, I mean, DV6 is kind of old and crusty, but you know. <laughs> you prefer DV, uh, well, I, 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 
Chappy. He's not DV Chappy, right? He's just Chappy. I don't know. Yeah, he's just Chappy. So DV6 is uh, <laughs> dysfunctional, and then Chappy yeah. is disgruntled. Yeah. Although he used to be on dysfunctional radio as well, yeah. disgruntled yep. discussions. Which I'll be talking to him again in in a couple of weeks. Uh, my former co-host from Disgr- from disgruntled discussions, even though I was never part of disgruntled veterans, I, they asked me to host on the show when I was never like part of disgruntled uh, veterans. I was like, "All right, uh, how about a temporary? How about we just do do a temporary thing and and see if we actually can uh, get along and like see how this goes." Sure. Uh, we did like four or five episodes and like, all right, all right, we're going to take a, um, I think it was Nevermore. She's like, we're going to take a vacation and then we'll record and we come back. Silence. That was the last episode. <laughs> I don't know if that was the last episode they ever aired, but that was the last one I've ever heard about. <laughs> huh. I think, I think probably before I got involved. Oh, so what's been like, like, like something you didn't expect. Uh, I know you have a day job um, and you, you spend a lot of time writing and doing your podcast and cause you, you talk about stories. So you have to curate all of that. What's something yep. you didn't expect? Oh man. A lot of things I didn't expect <laughs> feeling. I didn't expect the feeling when my novel first was like was published. And then a couple of things happened within that first couple of months that were just amazing. So I was at work one day and this, this kid that I, I've never seen before, I have no idea who he is, walks up to me and he's like, oh my God, you're Jack Keesling. And I'm like, yeah, who, who are you? You know? And he's like, I, I have your book. Will you sign it for me? And I'm like, what? You know? And I just, I never expected something like that to happen. And he had out, your book with him. Yeah. So it turned out his wife was in one of my classes and, um, you know, kind of, you know, Facebook stalked me for whatever reason after the class, found the book, they bought it, they loved it. He was coming out there for one of my classes. So it was, I mean, it was really cool. Um, but in that moment, it was just like, I didn't expect how amazing that would feel and how horrifyingly terrible it would feel at the same time. Because yeah. now I'm like, you think that I'm this like amazing person who wrote this book, but I'm actually really stupid, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm like this, but I'm really kind of a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't. Even if I'm not a jerk, I just don't want to give you that impression. <laughs> you know, so I didn't expect that. And, um, you know, unfortunately, my father died um, a little little more than a month after the book came out. And, and I didn't expect... I didn't expect a lot of things that came with that. So, um, you know, I get the call at work, mad dash, get home. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, my dad's, you know, his uh, end table sitting by a spot on the couch. My book was sitting on his end table with his glasses on top of it, you know, and oh. he was a big part of, of the encouragement for me to believe that I could actually, you know, get that book out there and, and make it matter. And, and so just to know that, you know, he was working on it, you know, he didn't get to finish it, but you know, he was working on it. And, and that, that made me feel really good, but also hurt really bad at the same time. And I went through this phase where I couldn't work. I just, I couldn't write because every time I did, that's all I could think about. And, but then once I got through it and I got back to writing, it's just like, there's that motivation. You know what I mean? Like every time I think about maybe this isn't good enough, I just hear my, my dad's voice in my ear telling me, you know, stop, stop talking to yourself like that. Like, <laughs> you know, um, you know, so that's, that's awesome. You know, and, and you're right. I am busy. So, um, I have a two hour drive to get to work every day. So, uh, I spend four hours in the car every single day 
And then I come home, I have about two and a half hours from the time I get home to the time I've got to be in bed. And uh, I think it drives my wife crazy, but I get home, we eat dinner real fast. And then it's like, I'm in front of the computer and I'm working, um, you know, and then like weekends, Saturdays are shot because I have my show on Saturdays and I've got to curate everything for the show. And then, you know, by the time the show's over, now I've got to do quality checks and make sure the broadcast went up right and everything else. I mean, you know, and so Saturdays are a mess. And, and by the time I hit Sunday, I'm so exhausted. She's like, Hey baby, let's go do something. And I'm like, will you just please let me die? You know, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but she's amazing and she knows what I'm trying to do. And she knows this is something I'm passionate about. And, you know, this isn't something I want to put a couple of books out into the world and then just keep doing my day job. Like this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I love writing. I love sharing stories. And, you know, and I, I've had the opportunity to see what happens when somebody reads my work and their life is impacted in some way by that. You know, I've, I've had the opportunity to see that happening. And, and I think that we, we look at the world around us and it's so negative. It's so negative. Everybody's mad at everybody else and everybody's blaming this person and that person. Everybody's so negative. But the way we make the world better is by creating something positive. You know, creating something positive, whether that's, you know, cooking something or, or making a painting or writing or, you know, whatever you're designing video games, whatever you do, podcasts, it doesn't matter. Whatever you do, if you create something positive, you're taking an active role in making the world a better place. So when I think about my, my writing and what I'm doing, like that's, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be a positive impact on this world and, and in the only way that I know how to do it. So, you know, she knows what I'm trying to do. She knows why I care about this. And fortunately, she likes my books. So, you know. Um, you, know. <laughs> you think it'd be different if she didn't like them? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it would be. Honey, so I, did, you, did you read this revision? I, I really, you know, I can't afford an editor right now. You mind checking this out? Um, I hate it. I hate it. Can you just like leave me alone? <laughs> yeah, no. I'm one of the, one of those lucky few people who got to marry my absolute best friend in the whole world. So if she told me that my books were trash, I would believe her. Um, you know, and so yeah, I mean, it would be devastating because like there are very few people on this planet whose opinions actually really matter to me at the core of who I am, and she's one of them. So if she told me I was a trash writer, I'd be like, all right, I'm hanging it up. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we just had a little discussion that's going to be in the uncut version, maybe not all of it, but most of it. What's like the, dude, time management, what's your biggest distraction right now? <laughs> um, Borderlands 3 was my biggest distraction. <laughs> <laughs> Video games are tough, man. You want to take the time to play them, and at the same time, you want to keep playing them. <laughs> I've always said for years that video games aren't a struggle for me because there's not that many that I really, truly love. Mm -hmm. But uh, Borderlands is one of the series that I love. And Borderlands 3 came out and I played it all the way through so many times and I just couldn't stop playing it. And then my wife and I play through it co-op mode. And it's just, yeah, that, that sucked up a lot of my time for a couple of months. Uh, especially when you have an have a, a enabler there. <laughs> What's something you wish people would ask you more about? Oh, man. Because I, I, I know you get a lot of questions on your podcast. You make that a point to answer on them. What's something you ever go, man, why don't someone ask me about this right here? I, I mean, honestly, like my book, <laughs> we talk about everything on my show and, and I, I talk about my books, but, you know, and sometimes I'll, I'll post questions, be like, what's your favorite character? What was your favorite, favorite moment in the book? And I get one or two people that answer back, but. I want to talk about my book more, man. Like I invested two years of my life in this thing. Talk to me about it, you know? Yeah. 
I'm creating worlds here, man. <laughs> you know, but I mean, everybody, everybody that's on my show I mean, is great people. We've got a, a mix of, of, you know, veterans and, and civilians. And, you know, we got all different age groups and demographics that, that watch the show pretty regularly. And it's fun. We talk about a lot of stuff, um, you know, and it's, it's really cool. Um, you know, my fondest hope is that as more of my work gets out into the world and I publish more books that it, you know, we can spend some more time talking about, you know, what they thought when they read this section or what they thought of that character and stuff like that. But, you know, I mean, whatever, I just enjoy the conversations. (laughs) I feel like if I wrote a book and I, I feel like I'd be asking too much because doing a podcast, I mean, I've been on quite a few podcasts and some more popular than others. This, this, this is more of a passion project for me. Some of the, an excuse for me to hang out with people and and just, and to learn new things. Um, (laughs) For me to like wonder if, Hey, I wonder if someone's going to ask me about the podcast. Usually the only time people do is if they want information for their own podcast, asking for a fan is too much. <laughs> Just be grateful. You enjoy what you do now. Shut up and turn on your mic. Well, and what's cool is like, <laughs> when the first book was getting ready to release mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there and everybody's like the few people that read pre, you know, pre-release copies of it and stuff. They're telling me, Oh my God, this thing is going to be huge. We love it. You know, it's going to be amazing. You're going to sell you know, tons of copies you know, how's it going to feel when you're JK Rowling, you know, and stuff like that. And you know, people kind of hype me up and I, I love that. I appreciate that my friends and my family gas, you know, gas me up. It's awesome. We got to do that for our friends. Yeah. But you know, I, most of the time I'm a pragmatist. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, look, here's the deal. Nobody really knows who I am, you know? So you chuckleheads, my friends and my family are going to buy copies. So I'm going to sell what, like 10 copies. I mean, half of you can't afford to buy it anyway, you know? So <laughs> you know, I'm going to 10 copies and this thing is going to die, you know? But here's the thing. I didn't write it for them. I wrote it for me. You know, so if I sell a million copies and I get the, get the movie deal and, you know, and all my wishes come true and, you know, daisies and unicorns rain down from the sky, fantastic. But if I never sell another copy of any book I ever write, I don't care because I didn't write it for them. I wrote them for me because it's what I love. So, I mean, and I feel like if you're making art with the goal being to make a lot of money, you're doing the wrong thing. Absolutely. If you're making art, if you believe in it, and then you happen to make a lot of money along with it, hey, good for you. You know, that's awesome. Because art, art only matters when it comes from a place inside of your heart that's not fueled by greed. So, you have two books, two totally different stories. That you think you'll um, extend on either one of them in the future? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, the Fist of Ark and the one that's available on Amazon now. Um, already has a plot line done for the second novel, which is what I will begin working on as, as soon as I'm done with the one I'm working on right now. That is called The Tears of Arkin, and it will follow on the events that happen at the end of that. Um, and then the one that comes out hopefully end of June, A Thin Red Line, is actually the second book in the series, which seems a little strange, but I did it on purpose. So I'll go back and write the first book after this one is completed, A Thin Green Line, which will focus on the main character's journey becoming one of those first female infantrymen. Um, and her experiences in, uh, in Afghanistan. Um, and then, um, the final book in that series will be, I don't mean, I don't want to give away too much of what's going to happen, but it'll essentially be the second American civil war. Um, you know, so if I continue the Arkin universe past the second book, I don't know. I have no intention to do that right now. And frankly, when I, when I finished the first one, I had no intention of ever writing a second one, but then those characters were in the back of my mind screaming to me that they weren't done yet. So, 
Um, but I got a bunch of other stuff that I want to get to other projects, other, other, you know, books that I want to write and stories I want to tell. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things when it's time for that story to live its life, it'll, it'll come up, you know, so Jack, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate your time. Go ahead and prop everything you want to prop, man. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, I want to give a shout out to Kelly Pippen at the Veterans Forum. And he's also the lead singer songwriter of a, a outlaw country band called Something Like Yesterday. Um, incredible human being, incredible veteran, just a stand up guy in every sense of the word. He has a show on Facebook at the Veterans Forum every Saturday um, at he goes on at one o'clock Eastern time. Uh, so check him out. And then um, if you're not military, but you're interested in military stuff, You've got to check out Token Civilian Friends on Facebook. Um, it's a very good friend of mine runs that page. And it's, it's, that's what it's for. It's for all those, those folks who love the military and love supporting what we do, but don't want to join the veterans groups because they feel like they don't fit in because they're not one of us. Uh, but that, that, that's really awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. His page isn't growing nearly as fast as it should for how awesome he is and how awesome that message is. But I mean, he's all about bridging that gap. He is not a veteran himself, but I tell you what, the, the dude is family. So, yeah, because yeah. I've been on veteran groups where it's like all these, you know, you know, a bunch of civilians want to come in and and totally understand you're supporting people. You totally understand, awesome, awesome. But not every veterans group is made for that. Right. Um, I, I'm in a reunion group. Um, you know, I've been out since 2005, and one of my um, in one of my units, we have, we have a reunion group on there, which is just for people that are in our unit. And our unit started maybe six months before I got in the fleet, and ended two years or three years after that. So it's only four years worth of people that have ever been in that one unit. We know who each other are. <laughs> yeah. we, you know, we, we, we were an experiment. We know who was in it. And still every week I get people like, well, I would just want to support all the unit. Like that, that's not us, man. We, yeah. you know, that's really cool, but that's not us. <laughs> yeah. So that's you. If you're not military, but you want to support, you know, military, you know, pages and veterans and stuff like that, check out token civilian friend. Um, it's awesome. And the guy does 22 pushups every single day. Um, you know, as you know, tribute to veteran suicide, post the videos online, just an incredible human being that I'm very, very proud to know and, and call part of my family. So yeah. And then please, please, please check out my book on Amazon. You can find it by searching uh, Jack Kiesling or the fist of Arkin on Amazon. And uh, it'll take you to the links for the digital download. If that's your preference or the hard copy, if you prefer that. And what's the name of your podcast and where can they find it? Oh uh, yeah. So I actually don't post the podcast anywhere. I just do my live show. Um, okay. and you can find book at Jack Keesling books. Yeah. And that goes on every Saturday at, uh, 3 PM Eastern standard time. Ah, so you can listen to your friend's show and then do yours right afterwards. Yep. And just be forewarned, my show has some pretty fantastical language. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, this is Toten's Media Litter Sandwich, and you could find this at Toten.com, MediaLitterSandwich.com. You could participate in conversations on Facebook. If you look for Media Litter Sandwich group, or go to the Facebook page or whatever else you want. There's a million ways to reach out to me. Comment late, uh, late. Um, 
comment, rate, subscribe, put your reviews up, whatever app you're listening on. Feel free to reach out if you want to watch the video version. There's a link down in the descriptions, or you can go to YouTube uh, slash Toad and K. And if you want to hit that subscribe on YouTube, hit that bell too so you get notifications. Otherwise, you'll probably never see anything what happens after you hit subscribe. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed our discussion and may the algorithms be in your favor. And the next episode of Media Litter Sandwich. Oh, well, my name is Brandon O'Brien. I am a uh, small business owner, Marine Corps veteran. Uh, I do wood turning. Um, more specifically, I specialize in custom-made wood rings. I like having the story behind them. But veteran suicide is a huge, huge problem. Designed the disgruntled ring to be a reminder that you've got a community behind you. Like, is that what, that's not what you set out to do, I'm assuming. No, not even a little bit. I hate people for the most part.